Well, hey there, everyone. I hope you're having an amazing week. Hey, we're going to continue in our series, Made to Thrive. This is our third Sunday in this series. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus intends for us to thrive. You have been made by God to thrive. We've been looking at the passage out of John chapter 10, specifically John 10, 10, that says that the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that Jesus has come that we would have life and life abundantly, life to the fullest. So we're going to keep uh, that conversation going today, and today we're going to focus specifically on slowing down, that, that in order to thrive, we have to learn in our lives to slow down. I don't know if you've noticed how easy it is for life to become a blur. In fact, we're in August already, and I think about this last year and how quickly it's gone by. And maybe that just comes with age. Maybe that just comes with uh, different seasons of life. But life can become a blur, and we can get incredibly busy doing all kinds of different things. It's wild how in 2020 and with the pandemic really forced us to slow down as a nation and really even globally that stay-at-home orders and the requirement to limit our movement, uh, working from home, doing school from home, was this, this slowdown that we all experienced, at least somewhat. We didn't have the day-to-day activity and the, the coming and going that we would usually have. And I think some of the discomfort that we probably felt in the midst of that season was the fact that, that we don't know how to slow down. We don't know how to just stop, how to rest, how to limit our activity. We live in a culture and we live in a world that's very active. There's a lot going on. There's a lot to do. And whether that has to do with work, whether that has to do with our education or our children's education, whether it has to do with recreation uh, and just having fun, it just feels, feels like our calendars become something to be filled, that, that the empty places on our calendars need to be filled with some kind of activity. And so we were challenged to slow down. We were challenged to stop doing. And, and as I've talked to people and as I've read articles and listened to, to different podcasts, I realize this across the board, that we have a hard time. We really have a hard time with slowing down. In fact, the, the desire for things to get back to normal, uh, to whatever, whatever that looks like, whatever normal is, I think is, is really spurned out of a desire for us to get back to a place of being busy. And I, I started just wondering about why, why is that? Why in my own life? Why, why was that such a challenge? Why is it so difficult to stop? And how does that affect our relationship with the Lord? How does it affect the way in which we thrive in our lives? You know, what's amazing is that when you're going fast, you miss things. When you're doing something fast, when you're going through life quickly, you can miss things. I remember as a kid, we had the opportunity as a family to travel in Europe. And this was my first time being in Europe with my parents. My grandparents were along on the trip. And uh, we were in France, and we were on a tour bus. We were on this, uh, this guided tour that was on the tour bus, and we did this for a few days. And, um, 
And if you've ever been on that kind of tour, you know that there's a set schedule and the bus has to be at certain places at certain times. Uh, you only have a certain amount of time at each stop. And, and I just remember, even as a little kid, it was on the go. We would get to, to some, some famous point in France and we would hop off the bus and the tour guy would say, we've got this, this amount of time. So get through, see everything as quickly as you can and get back on the bus because we've got a schedule to keep. We have the next place or dinner or the hotel or wherever it was. And I remember, again, as a kid, I would think as a seven or eight years old, sitting on the bus, seeing the countryside just whizzing by uh, through the window. It was, just, it was just a blur as we kept this schedule to get from one place to another. And I recall as a family uh, that a decision was made that in the future that we wouldn't do guided tours on buses that there were all kinds of things that we saw through the window that we thought, you know, if we had our own car, if we had our own transportation, if, we're, uh, if we were able to, we would have stopped in that place. There were places that we visited where even though the tour guide was saying, hey, it's time to go, we were saying, you know, we, we want to hang out here a little bit longer. And so we made a decision that we, in future trips, that we wouldn't do that tour bus. And that's exactly what happened in, uh, in the couple of times that we were able to, to do international trips as a family while always rented a car or used public transportation. And what that did is actually open the door for us to explore some places kind of off the beaten path and to share some experiences as a family, some memories as a family that we now have that, that really came as a result of us choosing in those moments to slow down, to do something a little bit different. Well, you know, I think we have to make that same kind of choice in our lives. We have to choose. We have to decide as followers of Jesus to slow down. We have to look at the things that restrict how we live our lives or the demands that are placed on our time. And we have to make conscious choices to say, in order to engage life, to live life fully, to have the fullest life that God wants us to have, we've got to make some choices. We've got to say yes to certain things and no to certain things. Now, I'm not saying that we live our lives without structure or without order. In fact, we live within the framework that God has designed for us, that he has created order in our lives, and that he is the one who directs our paths. But what can so often happen for, for really for all of us is that the demands of the world, whether it's work or school or entertainment or friendships or church, whatever that would look like, can, can place demands on our time where we start ramping up and going faster and faster and faster. And God would say, no, slow down, slow down. And so I want to read uh, Psalm 23. We're going to look at the 23rd Psalm today and then just draw some, some points and con con conclusions out of that uh, really well-known passage of Scripture about what slowing down does for our lives in regard to thriving, how we are made to thrive when we slow down. So I want to read this passage, Psalm 23, uh, starting in verse 1. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me 
before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, reading the 23rd Psalm, as as well known as it is, I think we can miss some of the depth of what Jesus is trying to speak to us and what the Father's heart for us is. And I've shared about this passage before, and we've talked about the role of the shepherd in the lives of the sheep uh, in in a number of different messages uh, throughout throughout the past. But I want to I want to really press into this idea of rest that comes through so clearly in the twenty third Psalm. It's something that uh, is really a theme throughout this, and resting in different kinds of ways or slowing down in different kinds of ways in in relation to our our connection with God, how we relate to God. And I was thinking about, you know, if, if I had to render somewhat of a, a modern reading of Psalm 23, uh, it might go something like this. And I'm just going to uh, share, share a, a couple of thoughts, maybe out of the first few verses. So in the world that we live in, in the midst of the busyness, it might come across something like this. The Lord is my taskmaster. I have to earn his favor and blessing. He expects me to work hard and provide for myself. There's no time for rest. He drives me to perform and produce, and he expects me to push myself to the limit. I think you get the idea. I'll stop there. And we may say that again. The Lord is my taskmaster. I have to earn his favor and blessing. He expects me to work hard and provide for myself. There's no time for rest. He drives me to perform and produce. He expects me to push myself to the limit. That would really be the opposite of what the heart of God is in the 23rd Psalm. But even as I was writing these words, they resonated so deeply in my own soul, in my own journey with Jesus. Because even as a pastor, so often this is the pressure that I feel that God is driving me, that God is pushing me, that I have to earn something from him, that I have to earn his favor and his blessing, that rest is not something that, that God intends, that he expects us to work hard to push ourselves to the limit. And we live in a culture that reinforces that over and over and over again. My hope would be even in just sharing those few thoughts that it would stir something in your heart that it would expose the lie that the enemy would be telling you about the way that you're supposed to live your life and live this Christian walk. You'll notice this in the 23rd Psalm. If I had asked you the question, who's doing the hard work in the 23rd Psalm? The clear answer is this, that it's not us. It's not the sheep. It's the shepherd. God is. He is the one that is doing all of the hard work. Listen to this. It says that, God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Not because I provide, but because he provides for me. He's the one who takes care of all my needs. He's the one who takes care of all your needs. It says that he makes me to lie down. He makes me to lie down. He didn't ask me. He makes me. 
He requires it of me. See, because God knows when I'm worn out. God knows when I'm tired. God knows when you're exhausted. And there's this, this heart of the shepherd to say, I know what's better for you. I know what's, what you need more than what you know yourself, that more than you realize yourself what your needs are. And so he has to make us lie down to take that time to slow down and to rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he says that he leads me beside quiet waters. He leads you beside quiet waters, a place of refreshing, a place where we can where we can drink, when we can receive quiet waters, not, not the, the raging rapids, but he finds those quiet places, those pools of water where, where we can rest and be refreshed. In fact, the very next thing that the psalmist writes, that David writes here is this, that he restores and he refreshes my soul, that God ministers to the very depths of who we are, our soul being our whole self, our, our f- physical body, our, our, our mind, our, our mental state, our emotions, our will, our relationships, that our soul is, is all that we are. And God says, I refresh every part of who you, who you are. He's the one who does the refreshing. I don't refresh myself. It's God who's doing the work in this place. He goes on to say that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I I am in the presence of my enemies. I have highs and I have lows that he is with me, that he, his rod and his staff are there to comfort me and he guides me. He sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Just notice the theme here, the thread through all of this. God is doing all of the heavy lifting. And so I don't know where it is that we've believed as Christians that we have to, to take this on ourselves that we have to do the, the work ourselves, that we have to earn this, we have to push, and, and that we have to perform. God says, no, you have to learn to rest. You have to learn to let go. You have to learn to let me be the one who takes care of you. See, I don't have to fear any evil. I, have to, I don't have to be a, a afraid of anything because God is my protector. God is is my protector. He prepares a table for me. He anoints my head with oil. He blesses me. See, it's God who does the deep work of transformation, restoration, and refreshing in our lives. He's the one who does the work. But listen to me, church, if we are so busy, if we're so on the go, if we never take time to stop, to rest, to listen, to be with him, we will miss the things that he has for us. We'll just blow right past them. We'll miss the the deposits that he wants to make in our lives, the refreshing that he wants to bring and, and, and bless us with. We'll miss it. We have to learn to slow down. That thriving and learning to thrive and being in a place of thriving requires that we slow down. It can't be rushed. It can't be pushed. It can't be forced any more than a seed that is planted in a ground and, and grows into a plant or into a bush or a tree, that that process cannot be rushed, it cannot be sped up, that it has to go through its appropriate seasons and times, that God would say for us, there is a time to work, there is a time to, to labor, and there is a time to rest. Now, we have to lay a hold of that. We have to remember that we are designed with those rhythms in mind, that God calls us to rest so that we can be with him. 
See, even in the life of Jesus, we see this. Jesus had healthy rhythms. He established healthy rhythms in his life and his ministry. And so, of course, this whole conversation has to start with really saying, well, how did Jesus live his life? How can we follow his example? My first point today is this, that we need to slow down to be with Jesus, that we need to slow down to be with Jesus, that he is our shepherd, he is our great shepherd, and that we have to learn to hear his voice, to know his voice, to respond to his voice, even as John writes in John 10.10, Jesus said that my sheep know me, they, they hear my voice, they don't follow the voice of anyone else because they know the voice of the shepherd. We will not know and respond to and recognize the voice of the shepherd if we don't slow down to be with Jesus, to listen to his voice, to read his word, to receive from him. See, we have to become like Jesus. That's the goal of this life. It's to become like Jesus, but becoming like Jesus requires being with Jesus. Being with Jesus to become like him. I've shared before that when I got to travel to Israel, I was so struck by, just as we drove around in that place, how Jesus traveled everywhere he did, where it says when he went from, when he went from Galilee up to Jerusalem, that that's 110 miles that he walked, that he walked with the disciples. And as he walked, that he had relationship with them. And I was just struck by just even the, 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 the expanse of the land. And I imagine Jesus walking in all of these different places, not rushed, but taking his time, noticing people along the way, whether it's Zacchaeus in the tree or the women at the well, that Jesus took time to be with people, that he didn't live a hurried and frantic life. In fact, as a man who lived for 33 years on this earth, it's amazing to me that he waited till he was 30 to start his ministry. See, for me, I, I would think, and in the world that we live in, it's like, make the most of the time. He could have started in his 20s, in his early, in his early 20s, in his mid-20s. Why did he wait all the way till he was 30 years old? Jesus was not hurried. He was functioning within the framework and the timeline that God had established. He was listening to the direction of the Father. His life was not fast-paced. He had healthy rhythms. In fact, going to some of the places where Scripture said that Jesus would retreat, that he would go off by himself to pray and to be with the Father, that he had healthy, regular rhythms of prayer and rest and fellowship. We have to do likewise. See, right relationship was prioritized for him. Relationship with the Father and relationship with people. And he did what the Father asked him to do. No more and no less. And even in some places, the disciples try to push him towards more. Say, hey, the people want this from you. And it's in those moments where Jesus would actually turn and go the opposite way. Saying, I, I, don't, I don't surrender to the will of the people or the culture. I do the will of my Father. He lived his life at the pace that the Father had for him. And we have to model our lives after Jesus and say, 
How can we look more like Jesus in the way that we surrender our lives to the will of the Father and what God wants for us? Pete Scazzaro in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality talks about the, th- the three temptations, the three great temptations that lead us to what's called a false self, where we live our lives not as authentic people before the Lord, ourselves, and each other, but where we put on a facade. Those three, uh, those three great temptations are these. The first is this, the temptation to say, I am what I do. I am what I do. And this is all about performance. I am what I do, that my identity is wrapped up in, in what I produce and what I do with my life. The next great, great temptation is this. I am what I have, materialism or possessions. I am what I have. If I have more, if I have better, if I look better, whether that's all the way from clothing to a house to cars to just and on and on and on it goes, having the better, faster, latest I am what I have, and my identity gets wrapped in that, wrapped up in that. Or the third great temptation being this, I am what others think. I am what others think. We call that popularity. I am what others think, and so we surrender our lives and our boundaries and our schedules to please people, to do the things that people would want of us. And each one of these leads us to living lives that are inauthentic and busy, have no boundaries and have no time for rest. We have to resist those temptations because they will rob us of the very life that God wants for us. Instead, we have to embrace a slowed-down spirituality, a slowed-down spirituality that recognizes that Jesus is the good shepherd, that we don't need to be rogue sheep going off on our own, that, that our place as sheep before the shepherd is under his care and under his protection in a place where we learn to listen to his voice. And so we need to slow down to be with Jesus. And as we do, that the roots of our lives, the root of who we are, presses deeper and deeper into him and we become more established in Jesus. So we need to slow down to be with Jesus. We also need to slow down to rest. Number two, slowing down to rest. You can't rest without stopping. In fact, this last week, we saw the end of the Olympics where these these athletes from all around the world came and participated at the peak of their peak of their career, peak performance in all of these different uh, these sports and all of these different activities. And one of the things that's true of every athlete that performs, that every athlete that trains, is that part of their training regimen is required times of rest because they can't perform at a winning world-class level if they don't rest, that their bodies have to recuperate and have to be restored. And so rest has to be a part of that routine. We have to slow down. We have to rest. We have to stop. We have to find place in our lives just to be. And that includes weekly rhythms of rest. In fact, daily, a daily rhythm of rest we call sleep. That we need enough sleep just daily. We need weekly rhythms. We need annual rhythms. More than just saving up for that one vacation that we would take. 
but that we need a regular rhythm of rest. Rest is critical. In fact, a lack of rest and a lack of sleep uh, scientifically has been, to, to, to been shown to affect our health, to affect our brain function. It affects our emotions. It affects our relationships. It affects our souls. That we, when we don't rest, we don't make good decisions, that we struggle in our relationships, that every part of who we are, it's almost like God knows what he was doing when he designed us. Almost. No, he absolutely knows. He has designed us, this body, these minds, our souls. He's designed us with a need for rest. We have to slow down to rest. It says in the psalm that he leads us by green pastures and still waters. That is a picture of rest and refreshing that God would want to bring in our lives. That we would stop, that we would sleep, that we would drink, that we would eat, that we would, uh, that we would take care of our bodies, that we would invest in our relationships, that we would have fun. We have to slow down to rest. So we need to slow down to be with Jesus. We need to slow down to rest. Third thing is this. We need to slow down to feel. We need to slow down to feel. I think sometimes we get into a, a mode of busyness that keep, keeps us disconnected from our emotions, that keeps us disconnected from really what's going on inside of us. In the, in the Psalm, in 23rd Psalm, it's, David says that, that God refreshes my soul, that he speaks to the very deepest parts of who I am. Well, God can't refresh my soul if I don't slow down and understand what's going on inside of me. In fact, I believe that busyness becomes an emotional anesthetic, that busyness becomes an emotional anesthetic, that we keep ourselves busy so we don't have to feel. If I just keep going and if I keep my life full, I don't have to think about the things that are going on inside of me. And now I understand that there are people who would say, well, the Christian faith isn't about emotions. But I would argue if, if God has designed us with emotional capacity and we see in the life of Jesus very deep and very active emotions, that that argument has no leg to stand on. And why certainly that people would say, well, we don't let our emotions control us. But we have to understand that God's given us the emotional capacity to, to really understand and to deal with the things going on in our lives and the relationships we have so that we can bring them before him and we can ask him to speak to our lives. See, so often we don't understand our emotions. We don't take time to grieve in appropriate ways when grieving is necessary. And as a result, we become edgy. We become prickly. We become people that other people maybe avoid or don't want to be around as much. We notice that we're more prone to uh, fly off the handle a bit more, get angry more quickly or more easily. See, uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a, on a boat out on the water, like a ski boat or uh, uh, some so sort of a smaller uh, motorboat. When you're out on the water and you get up on plane and you're cruising across the water and you've got a wake behind you, it's kind of smooth sailing. But what happens is, is when you slow down and come to a stop, there's this wake. 
that's following you. And when the boat slows down enough, there's this moment where that wake catches up with you. And you, if you've ever sensed this or seen it, the, that the wake will push that boat. It'll catch up and there'll be kind of this, this wave that will push the boat. I think sometimes what we do in avoiding slowing down is we don't want to feel, we don't want that wave of emotion to catch up with us. We don't want that wave to, to, to push us into places where we feel like we don't want to go. But here's the thing, God has designed us with a capacity to feel, a capacity for emotions. And what he does is he ref refreshes our souls as we sit with him, as we explore what's going on inside of us, that we're, we, we explore our true selves before him, that he refreshes that part of who we are. And so slowing down to feel is really this. It's slowing down to address our emotions in the presence of Jesus, in the safest place that we can, that we can come before him and say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm feeling this. I don't understand what's going on. I, I, I'm feeling some things really deeply. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I'm angry. Whatever that would be, and that we would bring that before him and allow, uh, allow him to refresh our souls. So we have to slow down. We have to slow down to be with Jesus. We have to, we have to slow down to rest, and we have to slow down to feel. And then finally today, we need to slow down in order to surrender control. We have to slow down to surrender control. The psalmist writes about this valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it sounds terrible. It sounds ominous. It says that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says that he would prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The idea that you would sit down and eat a meal in the presence of your enemies doesn't make sense. But what David is writing here about the Lord is that when I submit my life to him and when I slow down before him and allow him to take control of my life, that things that don't make sense in this world will make sense in his kingdom that God will protect, that he will provide, and he will comfort. See, the Christian life is about surrendering to Jesus. We like to think that we are the ones who are in control of our lives, that we want to be the masters of our own destiny, and certainly the culture reinforces that, that you need to take your life, you need to take control of your life, and that you need to determine your own destiny. But the kingdom of God and, and our Lord and Savior would say, no, I am the one who determines that. I am the one who will direct your steps. And so we need to learn to surrender to Jesus. So David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows, even in the bleakest, darkest circumstance. God says, I will take care of you. He will provide. He will comfort. He will protect. He will direct. He will defend. But we have to surrender. We have to slow down enough to say, God, I give these things to you. I trust you with my life. Slowing down reminds me and reminds us that Jesus is in control. We have to be reminded that if we stop, the world will not fall apart. That I can trust him 
with my life. I can trust my family with him, to him. I can trust their lives to him. So we need to slow down to be with Jesus. We need to slow down to rest. We need to slow down to feel, and we need to slow down so we can surrender the control of our lives to him and remember who is an ultimate control. I'm going to read verse 6 as we close today of Psalm 23. It says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David finishes with this promise, with this beautiful, beautiful promise that he speaks over all of us, that when we see Jesus as our good shepherd, the one who takes care of us, the one who makes us lie down, who leads us into to green pastures by still waters, who restores and refreshes our souls, that walks with, with us through the darkest times. He's the one who can set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He, he anoints our heads with oil. And when we see Jesus for who he is, when we slow down to be reminded of who he is, that we will know that his goodness and his love will be with us every single day of our lives, that there's never a time that he will leave us or forsake us. And in that final statement, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm under his care, his covering, and his protection in this life and for eternity. So church, let me encourage you, take time to slow down. Take time to slow down to be with Jesus, to remember that he loves you. He does. He loves you so much. Set aside the busyness. Just like my family did when we were on that bus tour and said, we don't want to do this kind of tour again. We want something where we can slow down and enjoy the, the, the countryside, where we can enjoy some of these places, some of these experiences that, that we would all, that like that, we would all decide, we would choose and say, Jesus, I'm choosing today to slow down, to be with you, to model my life after you, to not buy into the lies of the enemy and of this world. Jesus, I choose you. Let's slow down. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you invite us to slow down in you and with you, that you take care of everything in our lives, that you protect, that you comfort, that you direct, Lord, that you are our all in all. And that there's no situation and no circumstance in life, Lord, that is too hard for you to deal with, to speak life to. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a people who learn to slow down, to be with you, to be in your presence, Lord, that we would slow down and, and learn to be refreshed and rest in you. Lord, that we would slow down to be able to feel the things that are going on inside of us so we can bring them before you. Lord, I pray that we would slow down so we can lay down control of our lives and allow you to be the one who takes control. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray you have a restful week. Spend some time with Jesus this week. Be in his word. Be, re be refreshed by him. Bless you as you go.